Well, good morning. Today we are going to be continuing our sermon series uh, entitled Life, which stands for Living in Faith Every Day. Uh, If you've been with us, you know what we're doing is we're taking scriptures, stories from the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we're looking at how those stories demonstrate or illustrate an aspect of faith. And then we're taking the lessons from those stories and applying them to our lives as we walk in faith here in the in the 21st century. We've looked at a variety of stories, uh, such as Esther. Queen Esther finds herself in the right place at the right time to be used of God to deliver and save uh, her people. Uh, we looked at the story of, of Peter uh, walking on the water. We looked at the story of a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years and been an outcast, and God heals her. Christ heals her. And today we come to a story uh, that um, probably isn't as familiar as some of these others. We come to the story of a woman who finds herself in, in a whole heap of trouble. She's in dire straits. Things are, are, are very urgent, and she's kind of between a rock and a hard place in many ways. You know, there was a, there's a story about, um, or excuse me, there's a cartoon that I love, Calvin and Hobbes, years ago when uh, Calvin, uh, he's looking out the window and it's raining, and he says to his mom, Mom, can I go outside and play? His mom says no. Calvin says, why not? She says, well, you'll get soaked. He said, well, what's wrong with that? His mom replies, you could catch pneumonia, run up a terrible hospital bill, linger on for a few months and then die. After this, Calvin takes a long look outside and says to his faithful companion, Hobbes, I always forget when you ask a mom, you get a worst case scenario. Well, I don't believe this this woman, this mother of two, this widow, in 2 Kings chapter 4, has overstated the extreme nature of her condition. She is in dire straits and she needs, desperately needs, help. So like a story about a woman who telephoned her friend and asked how she was feeling. Terrible, came the reply on the other end of the line. My head's splitting. My back and legs are killing me. The house is a mess. The kids are driving me crazy. Very sympathetically, the caller says, well, listen, why don't you go and lie down? Uh, I'll come right over. I'll cook lunch for you. I'll clean up the house some, and I'll watch your kids for a couple hours so you can get some rest. By the way, uh, how is Tom doing? The housewife said, well, I don't know anybody named Tom. The first woman replied, well, my goodness, I must have dialed the wrong number. And there was a long pause. And the other woman said, are you still coming over? (laughs) She needed help, right? (laughs) Well, this woman in Second Kings chapter 4 needs help. And we're going to draw out some things that we can apply to our faith journey. And the story involves the characters of, there's the prophet Elisha, one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. There's this widow, of course. She has two sons. Um, there's her neighbors, of course. There's a creditor. And there's a small jar of olive oil. So what can we draw from her story, especially when we're up against it, when we find ourselves between a rock and a hard place? Verse 1. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Now from this story, the first thing we learn about a life of faith, as much as we wish it weren't so, being a Christian does not exempt us from trouble. I mean, this woman's husband has died. They probably hadn't been well off beforehand anyway. I mean, he's a prophet in a country where the king and queen, as we look at 2 Kings, aren't 
aren't obeying God. They're, they're actually oppressing the prophets. So she's widowed. She didn't have much to begin with, but now she's destitute. And the creditor is closing in. It looks like the creditor has already come and cleared out the house, taken anything of value and sold it. But it's not enough. And now he comes to take her two sons and, and make them work for him as long as it takes to pay off that debt, which could be a very, very long time, maybe the rest of their lives. And this woman is at the end of her rope. Where does she go? Whom does she turn to? She might have been asking, where is God in the midst of my trouble? Maybe you have asked that question. Where is God in the midst of this difficult situation that I'm in? Much as we wish it weren't so, God's people do experience trouble. I mean, here's this prophet. He stood against the pagan worship of his neighbors. He'd been a loyal co-worker and minister alongside Elisha. He's preached an unpopular message, no doubt was ostracized. And yet now his wife and his sons, despite his faithful life of service, face disaster. God's people are not exempt from hardship or difficulty. For example, a Christian woman who's widowed not once, but twice. A man who's been faith, surf, uh, saving, excuse me, faithfully serving Christ finds that his job is being dissolved and he loses everything. A Christian woman who has cancer and two months after the all clear is given, she's told it's returned and this time it's inoperable. Or maybe a, a leader in the church who is struck down by an accident or a disease and is incapacitated and now can no longer work to provide for his family. Sickness may come. Financial troubles may come. Marital problems may come. Temptation will certainly come. Struggles in our faith will come. Jesus himself said this in John 16. In this world, you will have trouble. Paul had his thorn in the flesh, we're told. Being a Christian, in other words, is not a get-out-of-jail-free card for illness or difficulties. In fact, what, has happened, what happens to us in this world, in this life, is exactly what God said would happen. Why should we expect to be spared what Jesus himself was not spared? Sean Connery in the film Rising Sun turns to a colleague and says, fix the problem and not the blame. The widow, to her credit, doesn't blame God. She doesn't shake her fist angrily at heaven and say, we served you faithfully for years and now look what you've done to us. What did we do to deserve this? No. She doesn't have an attitude. Although it's very easy sometimes as Christians to adopt a poor me complex. After all I've done... Why is this happening to me? And why now? As if somehow we have earned the right to a trouble-free existence. But this widow, in her desperation, she shows us how to react to difficult things. She's faithful. She demonstrates great faith. She cries out to God. She asks him for help. She brings her problem to God. In verse 2, we see the response of Elisha. He begins by saying, how can I help you? Help you, which is... God's response to us, he loves his children. He offers help 24-7. In fact, we're promised this in, in Hebrews chapter 4. Great words. Listen to this. So therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. 
For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. In other words, as believers in Jesus Christ, we have instant access, 24 hours a day, we have access to the throne room of God, the creator of the universe. And it's not based upon some sliding scale. The longer you're a follower, the more access and privileges you gain. All believers in Jesus Christ have access through Jesus Christ to the throne of grace, 24-7. In this world, as we live a life of faith, we will have problems. But we have a friend to whom we can take them, who empathizes, who cares, who loves us. What else can we learn about faith from this woman's story? After her initial response... In the midst of difficult times, God asks us to trust him and respond in faith. Verse 3, Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. So this woman is at the other end of her resources. She has nothing left. I suspect the creditor has already come with his heavies. He's cleared out the tables, the chairs, the family heirlooms, silverware, whatever was important or valuable, it's gone. All they have left are the clothes that they're wearing and one little jar of olive oil. You can almost see the, the, the men walking away with all her stuff. And she says, oh, you, wait, you forgot this. Maybe this is worth something. They're like, nah, it's not even worth it. It's, you know. And they leave it behind. That's all she has left. She has nothing. Except the most valuable asset that she has. Her relationship with God. And rather than focusing on what she has lost, she turns to God in faith. She knew that God had a plan. You see, God is in control of our lives. He's not caught off guard by the, the, the bad things that happen to us in life. It's like, oh man, I didn't see that coming. In the midst of difficulties, God is working in them and through them to teach us and to shape us and to make us more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. And he has a purpose in the midst of this trial for this widow. He is trying to strengthen her faith, and not only hers, but the, the faith of her two boys who are watching her respond to the situation. And he's using this trial to, to grow her faith. And so Elijah sends her out to gather from her neighbors every jar, barrel, bottle, basin, whatever that she can find. And then rather than look at him like he's lost his marbles, she, she obeys and she acts in faith. And so they gather all these jars, as many as they can. They close the door behind themselves and, and she finds out that it's in proportion to her faith that God will bless her. I mean, think if she'd only gathered a few jars, that's all she would have had for the oil. But Elisha tells her to gather not a few, but as many as she can, and she does. And so they begin to pour the first jar, the second, the third, the fourth, and on and on and on. And in every jar, every container they gather, they can find is filled with this oil. Now, it's interesting in the Old Testament, oil <coughs> is, uh, is, is always kind of tied with 
with anointing or blessing. And so God is, is blessing her as she steps out in faith, as she responds in faith. And he's blessing her in proportion to the faith that she shows. <clears throat> you can imagine their response. Probably their jaw drops open, their eyes get wide with amazement, or maybe they were singing songs of praise or dancing around or, or high-fiving or whatever you do back in that culture. I don't know, maybe fist bumps. And, and maybe they just simply fell to their knees in, in awe and silence as they thought about the power and the provision and the grace and the love of this incredible God that they served. Finally, what's the last thing we want to draw from the story about faith <coughs> and about God? Whatever our circumstances, whatever our circumstances, God's grace is sufficient to meet all our needs. It doesn't say meet our wants, meet all our needs. The Apostle Paul wrote these two verses while he was in prison. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And from 2 Corinthians 12, but he, God, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God's grace not only cleared her debt, but he gave her enough to live on. He doesn't just see the immediate emergency that she has. He, he sees also the ongoing need. And so she gathered as many jars as she could and, she, and, and oil was provided, not just enough to pay the debt, but for her and her sons to live on. Whatever situation you might find yourself in today, this widow comes to you and says, my God is able to supply all your needs. We look in the scriptures. We see the, the people of God wandering through the desert and they're hungry, they're thirsty. God provides manna from heaven, water from a rock. And they say, my God will provide all my needs. Or we look at Daniel and the lion's den, and, and God sends an angel to shut the mouths of the lions. Or again, we go back to the Apostle Paul in prison, never to be released, facing execution, where he writes, whatever circumstances I find myself in, my God is able to supply all my needs. And we can add to that list countless millions of people over the, the centuries who have stepped out in faith, who believed and trusted in God, and God has met the needs that they have and that they need. In a minute, we're coming to the table to celebrate communion, and, and what we do at the table really points us to the fact that on the cross, that Jesus Christ met our greatest needs, right? The need for forgiveness, the need for peace, the need for healing, restoration, um, the need for, for life, for joy, the need for a right relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, all of those needs are met on the cross of Jesus Christ. And so as we come to the table in just a few minutes, whatever your circumstance might be in your life, whatever you're facing, whether you're at the end of your rope or maybe halfway there, I encourage you to draw from the story of this widow that whatever your situation is, whatever your circumstance is, God in his time and in his way will meet the needs that you have. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this example of faith by a woman. We don't even know her name. We simply know that she was a woman who turned to you and acted in obedience and faith. And Lord, in a miraculous and powerful way, you, you met her need.
Lord, we don't always see you act in the ways that we want, but we do believe that you will meet our needs in Christ Jesus. So, Lord, we come to you in faith today and help and ask us, and we ask you, Lord, that you would help us to to focus on you, that you would strengthen and grow our faith in the midst of trials and difficulties, whatever those might be. Uh, Lord, we thank you for meeting our deepest needs and greatest needs on the cross of Jesus Christ, but also in the empty tomb. We thank you for the hope of, of life eternal. We thank you for grace and forgiveness and peace and joy. And so, Lord, we come to you in faith now. Strengthen us in ours. Amen.